Book One, Chapter Three of The Branding Iron by Catherine Newland Burt. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Roger Moline. Book One, Chapter Three Two Pictures in the Fire. The period which followed had a quality of breathless, almost unearthly happiness. They were young, savage, simple, and their love, unanalyzed, was as joyous as the loves of animals, joyous with that clear gravity characteristic of the boy and girl. Pierre had been terribly alone before Joan came, and the building up of his ranch had occupied his mind day and night, except, now and again, for dreams. Yet he was of a passionate nature. Joan felt in him sometimes a savage possibility of violence. Two incidents of this time blazed themselves especially on her memory. The one, her father's visit. The other, an irrelevant enough picture, until after events threw back a glare upon it. They had been at Pierre's ranch for a fortnight before John Carver found them. Then, one morning, as Pierre opened the door to go out to work, Joan saw a thin red pony tied to the fence and a small figure walking toward the cabin. "'Pierre, it's father,' she said, and Pierre stopped in his tracks, drew himself up and waited, hands on his cartridge belt. How mean and old and furtive her father looked in contrast to this beautiful young husband! Joan was entirely unafraid. She leaned against the side of the door and watched, as silent and unconsulted as any squaw, while the two men settled their property rights in her. "'So you've took my gal,' said John Carver, stopping a foot or two in front of Pierre, his eyes shifting up and down, one long hand fingering his lips. Pierre answered courteously, some man was bound to have her, Mr. Carver, sooner or late. You can't set your face again the laws of nature. Will you be steppin' in? Joan will give you some breakfast. Carver paid no heed to the invitation. Have you married her? said he. The blood rose to Pierre's brown face. Sure I have. "'Well, sir, you have married a daughter of a—' Carver used a brutal word. "'Look out for her. If you see her eyes looking and looking at another man, you can know what's to come.' Pierre was white. "'I've done with her. She can never come home to me for bite or bed. Shoot her if you have to, Pierre Landis, but when she's cotched at her mother's game, don't send her back to me.' That's all I come to say. He turned with limber agility and went back to his horse. He was on it and off, galloping madly across the sagebrush flat. Pierre turned and walked into the house past Joan without a word. She still leaned against the door, but her head was bent. Presently she went about her housework. Every now and then she shot a wistful look at Pierre. All morning long he sat there, his hands hanging between his knees, his eyes full of a brooding trouble. 
At noon he shook his head, got up, and still without word or caress, he strode out and did not come back till dark. Joan suffered heartache and terror. When he came, she ran into his arms. He kissed her, seemed quite himself again, and the strange interview was never mentioned by either of them. They were silent people, given to feelings and to action rather than to thoughts and words. The other memory was of a certain sunset hour when she came at Pierre's call out to the shed he had built at one side of their cabin. Its open side faced the west, and as Joan came, her shadow went before her and fell across Pierre at work. The flame of the west gave a weird pallor to the flames over which he bent. He was whistling and hammering at a long piece of iron. Joan came and stood beside him. Suddenly he straightened up and held in the air a bar of metal, the shaped end quite hot. Joan blinked. "'That's our brand, gal,' said Pierre. "'Don't you forget it. When I've made my fortune, there'll be stock all over the country marked with them two bars. That'll be famous, the two-bar brand. Don't you forget it, Joan.' And he brought the white iron close so that she felt its heat on her face and drew back, flinching. He laughed, let it fall, and kissed her. Joan was very glad and proud. End of Book One, Chapter Three Recording by Roger Moline